Hello, I'm Simon Bowes. Welcome to the Net Hero podcast. Now, we're almost there. The Big Zero show is very soon upon us. It'll be there on the 20th of June. So we really hope you're coming along. Two and a half thousand tickets gone and we've got a few more to go. Packed sessions, packed content. And if you've been listening to the podcast, we've been trying to speak to some of the people who'll be talking, some of the big companies there, some of the innovators and thinkers. And today, the last one before the show, I'll be talking to Mark Rose from Total Energy's Gas and Power. But before I bring Mark in, uh, I just want to talk about kind of the vision for the show and why, you know, some people have said to us, why are companies like Total, Shell, British Gas, why are they there? And my take has always been the same. You know, why are we talking about nuclear, for example? Why are we talking about biomass? Because for me, and I get there are criticisms across the agendas for different uh, power systems. We need everyone. But what do they bring to the party? What will they do? How are they getting their own house in order? I'm delighted that Mark is here because he's a straight talker, aren't you, Mark? I certainly try to be, Summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Let's start with that thing, which is the obvious criticism that you and some of the other power companies and you know big majors would get, which is you guys, you're the past, you know, you were uh, the fossil fuel companies, you're still some of you very much in fossil fuels. Why are you coming, being part of a big, the Big Zero show, a net zero event? Because the criticism that we've received is that, you know, not just you, but other companies that I've mentioned, you're not the future. How do you answer that? Uh, it's a it's a very interesting question. I mean, first and foremost, the address coming along to the big net zero event on the twentieth of June is because we feel it's the it's the event to be at in the energy calendar. Simply because as one of the larger players with the biggest in gas by volume and third biggest in power by volume, we feel we need to be there to help and support our uh, customer base, the partners we work with, and obviously any future customers we may may have the opportunity to work with going forward. That so that's an important reason to yeah, be at the event. Great. I think. Um, but to, on the on the other point, why are we part of it? Well, funnily enough, we want to be part of this industry for for a very long time. A number of our competitors, a number of suppliers in the market, have taken a different view for certain segments. Um, we're we're committed to this market. Total, as was, is now Total Energies, and we've rebranded and in the process of a huge transformation to move ourselves from an oil and gas provider, an oil and gas company, to a very large multi-energy company. And we very much see ourselves as part of the net zero future, so much so that we are investing enormously, first and foremost, to get our own portfolio and our own house in order. And secondly, yeah. invest in vast amounts to ensure that we can help our customers meet their net zero goals uh, in time. So first and foremost, sorting our own house and making sure we're there. And then secondly, it's almost like carbon neutrality together with society. Uh, and trying to help our customers uh, get there as well. So, you know, huge amounts of investment, huge amounts of interest, huge amounts of different technologies and fuels we're investing in and supporting. And, you know, excited to be able to talk at the event a little bit more about the journey that we're going on and how that will support our customers. Now, I don't want to give away your talk and you'll be going through that. But, you know, you meet people obviously all the time and, you know, there are different players out there. How do you answer that that question, Mark, when they go to you? Look, I kind of like what you do, Mark, but 
we don't really want to work with fossil fuel companies or we can't see that this is good for us in the future. How do you answer that one? For most of the major suppliers, you could question that. I think I think there's a couple of things is that we obviously have a strong balance sheet with a large organisation and that gives us the power to invest going forward and what hopefully would be the right things to transition ourselves into a net zero player in the future. And I think a number of suppliers, some of the names you've mentioned earlier, will have exactly the same story. It's an interesting market right now and and there are less and less competitors playing. You know, there is there is going to be be limited choice. But if we want to be here for the long term, we want to be a sustainable option for our customers, then it's really important that we do uh, invest in that transition. I think you know, already we are electricity portfolio we're number three in electricity as I, as I mentioned, more than fifty percent of what we supply is already renewable renewable energy. So we're working hard to meet the demands of customers. Okay, yeah, we have a heritage, but our, yeah. we are, we're working hard to change that. And actually, it's that heritage that's enabling us to invest uh, heavily in our transition and, and therefore give options to customers to get something that is more aligned to their net zero goals rather than something that is designed in the past. So are you getting most of that renewable power? Is that Are you investing in wind? Is it solar? What are you, what are you doing across the group? From an investment perspective, and this is well publicized, there's between you know four and six billion dollars per year over the, between now and 2030 will be invested in uh, in renewables across the world. A huge amount in solar, and a sizable amount in offshore wind. I think we have well, I know we have somewhere in the region of 17 gigawatts of installed capacity already. 35 by 2025, with a target to get to 100 gigawatts by. 2030, which is a pretty sizable, pretty sizable yeah. ambition, but we're making really strong inroads to that. So huge amount of we've got an enormous solar business business globally, uh, and we're investing in you know offshore and onshore wind, but a lot of offshore wind, an amount of which, of course, is uh, in the North Sea. So there will be some benefits, although we're a global organisation, huge ambition across the world there is a decent amount of investment on our local shores as well. And when you look at that sort of whole kind of uh, transition, it's an interesting one. I mean, you're based up in Scotland, you know, the heritage of oil and gas, you know, basically saved this country in the 70s, right? North Sea gas. Um, And, you know, I remember being even older than you, Mark, which is amazing. But, uh, you know, the adverts, (laughs) gas is a cleaner fuel, which, which it is. And I suppose the thing is that, a lot of people see gas now in a very negative way. Um, let's just explore that a little bit. You know, how clean is gas, right? And let's let's talk both here and globally. And and secondly, do you see a role for gas? Because so many people, there's a very strong lobby pushing for full electrification of transport, yes, of heat, you know, heat pumps, air source heat pumps, you know, using um, hydrogen spinning off, to create more uh, electricity that will then power other things, maybe fuel cells, but no one really saying, do you know what, we can still see gas as a very, you know, well, not shouting enough about it, I think, uh, as a vital part of the future. So two things on that point, which is really kind of, you know, where where gas is globally as, as a, you know, less of an evil, uh, if you're gonna call fossil fuels evil, as many people do, I don't agree with that view, but as people will say, you know, is it the lesser of two evils? And secondly, does gas have a future in this country, particularly in the in, in the in the medium term? Again, there's a f- 
so a couple of things to pick up on. So the first thing is gas as a gas as a fuel naturally is um, it's a fossil fuel emits CO two, but it's only half as dirty, you might say, as as coal. Um, a number of countries in the world, such as India and and various others, have relied hugely on coal. Coal, I think, is the biggest contributor to CO two emissions uh, in the world. So gasifying some countries' generation would half the the CO two emitted. Um, so does it have a role? I, th I think it has to have a role. Personally, see it as very much a, a transition fuel, but a still an important fuel going forward. That's one thing, because so it does help to decarbonise. Of course, it's not uh, no, carbon-free. Secondly, is investment in green gas. Green gas is hugely expensive. In the UK market, you can pay a significant premium for green gas, and there's not a great deal of it. We have mm. certainly ambitions to develop that technology and develop the scale of green gas that's available from you know, up to two terawatts by 2025 on to 20 terawatts by 2030. That's a, that's a global number and a huge number and an ambitious number, but, but we do believe that is the right thing to invest in to try and grow the amount of green gas that's on our system. The other thing gas gives you is huge amounts of flexibility, which the UK market and any market will need. You you can invest in nuclear, it's base load, you can invest in renewables, it's intermittent, but you do need something that fills the gap in the times of the day where other technologies are not there. Yes, there's batteries, our batteries there at the economic benefit or the scale that would be needed to replace gas, not yet. Therefore, as we transition, gas, I think, is is, is vitally important. So I think there's short term for, flex, for flexibility. You mentioned heat pumps and these sorts of technologies at a domestic or smaller level that's replacing gas. That's fine. I don't think I think it's in the next year or two. You cannot put a gas boiler in a new build home. However, you know, heat pumps from the feedback I hear you know, are not are expensive, and they're still not as 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 uh, reliable as as gas would be. Therefore, that leads me on to if you can greenify the gas and make create more green gas into the system, then you are uh, starting to contribute to a hefty reduced reduction in in CO two over time. But yeah. um, for for me, it's still got an enormous role to play between now and 2050, where, you know, the, the, the various targets are set. When you look at it, I mean, it's it's a quite an interesting one, isn't it? Because the, the, the grid obviously has to balance. And if you look at kind of where we are right now, I mean, I think I've just had a quick look during the course of this chat. And on this particular day we're recording it, we've got around about kind of 25% from fossil fuels, of which pretty much 25% is all gas, right? We've got 40% from renewables, the majority of which is solar followed by wind and then a little bit of hydroelectric. And then we've got a sort of 19% of which from other, mainly it's, it's you know, 16% from, from nuclear. So the fossil fuels at present is still about a quarter. And of that, it's all gas, which is great in the sense that there's very little coal. It's so negligible. Mm -hmm. You haven't got that. Do you see that continuing? Do you see that kind of percentage continuing? Or do you see... As you, companies like you, as you said at the beginning, you've invested more things. Do you see the, the pressure on that, you know, gas being reduced and reduced, you know, because maybe the public don't want it. Maybe, you know, there's government pressures, whatever it is. But th at the end of the day, it's economic decisions. If companies like you stop going for gas and invest in more, then, then gas will become a smaller part of, of the 
the grid portfolio anyway, won't it? It will, but I imagine. Um, so it's, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think if you look over, look at the UK's fuel mix disclosure over twelve months, you know, gas is still coal's tiny. I think the last annual published number is three or four yeah. percent, and gas is in yeah. the high thirties. So there's still forty percent of the thirty to forty percent, let's say, that yeah. you're going to be relying on fossil fuel for. And how do you? cater for that overnight you know very very difficult you know it's been in the press there's there's a lot of offshore wind ambition but i'm sure everyone was seen in the press some ceos from big renewable developers saying that the cfd numbers just simply don't work with the cost of inflation you can't put the turbines in the sea and make them work for the number that's been that's been that's been published therefore um where, where do you go because you have to replace that 30 40 percent um so in in the short term it's hard to see how that's going to that's going to disappear. I think um, even if it does disappear, and let's say uh, that 30% is filled with offshore wind in the near term, there will be periods of time where the offshore wind uh, assets are not generating capacity. How do you fill that gap? You uh, you've com- you, you, you could incentivize everyone to use less at certain times. Again, you'd have to predict that, and you can't predict the wind very well. Therefore, I can't see any way how in the short term you can avoid having gas as a as a as a peak generation or a or a, a generation uh, fuel that is absolutely needed to balance the grid. I I I'm no uh, national grid expert. I'm no um, I don't work there and work on the various future scenarios, etc. But um, until such times, is there's more flexibility from renewables, whether that's again increased battery storage, etc. I think natural gas is vital to enable the country to balance its requirements over the over the over the you know short to medium term, maybe even longer term. It's an interesting question about gas that was raised and, and you know we'll be discussing at the show is some people say there's an equity element to gas, which is I you can guess get gas everywhere because we've built all the pipes, we've got them all coming into our houses, and there are other things. Now I don't get I don't want to get into a kind of argument about is electricity better than gas or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But but can you see that, you know, it's not an easy decision for politicians to make or companies like you to just say, right, we're just going to stop using something, which is still, you know, dare I say, my mum still loves cooking on gas. She doesn't cook on electricity. <laughs> you know, people are talking about hydrogen. It's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because you could say, if you were writing it on paper, you'd say, right, let's just have clean power, get all of this, and you just go for electricity, maybe some nuclear, whatever, but you, you go for a non-fossil use across the board. But there are wider issues than just kind of what makes power cleaner. There are, and there's probably three things to it. There's the carbon content, there's the availability of it, and there's the cost. Um, there's, um, you know, I imagine in certain technologies, um, the cost of replacing gas is quite expensive. Um, We all know that, and we've had this discussion for a number of years now, is that hub business is truly taking energy efficiency seriously. And actually, at the times we talked about this a year or two ago, it was not really because there's never been a massive price shock. Um, But my God, over the last, uh, last year to two years, there really has been a price shock. And therefore, I imagine the um, investment in solar, the investment in energy efficiency, investment in more efficient kit, the investment in monitoring and targeting, I'll bet has gone up significantly in the last year or two because 
the cost of energy increased as driven by the wholesale market will 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 be making cust you know will drive customers to really think what they need to do for survival. Yeah. Uh, let, let alone carbon net zero, and that brings you on to, you know, renewable buying renewable. So so the grid is probably half cleaner than it was, uh, you know, uh, half as dirty as it was maybe fifteen years ago. Now, as a result of the the UK generation mix changing, and um, but to to secure that. You know, we're working on various different solutions to make sure customers can have a choice of different green products. But again, all these things come at a premium. Again, driven by driven by market. Mentioned, you know, green gas has probably gone up by two or three times in the last uh, six months to a year, and 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 electricity, green electricity, is again probably doubled in the last year to two. So uh, there is a there is a balance to be had. I don't envy the job of government no, trying to. No. Uh, trying to work out the best way forward. Uh, obviously, the various measures have done well in reducing the, the reliance on coal that we've had, but but natural gas is a lot a lot a lot cleaner than coal. And in addition to that, the various incentive, various projects we're investing in, in Europe and various projects on carbon capture and storage because again, there's another option and another opportunity to potentially clean up gas. So you would have the uh, you would essentially have the flexibility of it, the scale of it, but the ability yeah. to decarbonize it. Yeah, no, and, and I totally get that. In terms of, you know, looking at where, where you're going, and you said, like, you're, you're looking at new technologies and you're investing, I think, did you say six six billion a year, every year till 2030? Uh, four to six billion, four billion dollars at the moment, potentially right. rising to six billion by 2030. Right, okay. So the, the question then comes, um, which is, you know, why why are you investing, right? Because some would say, actually, there's time for these new technology companies to come in and smaller startups with innovative stuff. Um, you know, it shouldn't be big players because you're sort of jumping on the bandwagon. Again, that that can be put there. What What's your response to that about kind of, you can't really be innovative because you're so big. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes you can never win, uh, but essentially <laughs> yeah, we have sure. to we have to evolve and we have to be <laughs> we have to evolve and we have to be sustainable as our business. And to do that, we have to become a global multi energy company. And to do that, we need to vastly decarbonize what we do and then what we offer to customers. And that's an evolution from our heritage to trying to be one of the world's biggest power businesses. Um, and, you know, we've got a huge amount of research and development going on that we employ. And obviously we, we run incentives globally and we are looking to, uh, we will naturally look at new technologies and how we can accelerate the development of new technology. Um, in fact, a lot of new technology might well never develop if it doesn't have the, the, the support of, uh, of, companies such as total energies investing in what and what they're doing so um you can look at it a number of ways is it fair is it unfair well i tend to look at it as at the end of the day um there'll be a number of projects that we if we invest in it might well make the difference between it succeeding and not and if it succeeds then undoubtedly it'll uh, it'll grow across the world and we'll be making a difference globally rather than just whether it's the right thing to do us invest in or or not so um i tend to look at it positively and it's uh, you know i've worked for other supply businesses that are uh you know global and and most most have the same 
same approach that they have our big R&T facilities and work with new starts to try and bring technology on as quick as possible so that it can make a difference across the world. Your goal is here, um, lowering your carbon footprint from every bit of your production. I'm reading it now. And you've got a plan, which is to cut your scope one and two emissions uh, down uh, to, to to be a net zero company by 2050. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, if you're looking at that, people go, well, how the hell can you do that? Now, the latest stuff that I've got here is your 50% of your energy is low carbon as a group. Uh, and 25% of our energy is from decarbonized fuels, things like uh, biogas, et cetera. Yeah. That still means 75% isn't, and 50% of your energy isn't, is still high carbon. So how do you feel, and again, another point that's put, not just to you, but the whole, whole of society and businesses, that yes, things have changed, and they're definitely better than when we started Energy Live News and Future Net Zero, but, you know, back in 2010. But... We're not going fast enough. The Climate Change Committee says we're not moving fast enough. You look at all the stuff that's coming out from the UN and, you know, the 1.5 target could well be missed very soon. So in terms of this, for a company like you, you need to accelerate, but you've got to make, you know, sensible business investments. And there are different technology. Who knows? There might be a technology in the next five years that we've never even heard of that does a lot of things. So where do you sit on that thing about the pace of the transition and what people like you and your companies are doing to, to try and, A, do enough, if you think you're doing it fast enough, and B, if you're not doing it fast enough, what are you going to do about it? It's, it's, yeah, not responsible for the uh, total no, energies or global strategy. Uh, I'm not sure. What I would say is, um, I did read, I think it was last year, there was a published result and the total energies were moving fastest out of our type of organization. I know yeah. some of our some of our uh, um, competitors have had some bad press because they've they've scaled back their uh, investment in decarbonization a little bit. Um, in fact, our response during COVID was, I think, to more than double our investment and we have roughly double our investment in renewables to try and try and speed things up even further. Uh, so and, I think, and I get it, and I'm not holding you, but what I'm saying is, are you seeing, you know, you're in the company, are you seeing the thing that actually it's not just lip service? People are trying to do this. You're oh, seeing... no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 100%. In our organisation, um, there's a number of, re, you might say, recalibration, rechange of focus, etc. We have a huge gas renewables and power business now that's been formed, roughly 10,000 employees, uh, you know, more than half of the investment of the entirety of Total Energies is in that space. Um, there's been a huge amount of uh, knowledge sharing development and re-education of staff across the world um, to uh, to give clear on the vision and the mission going forward. So everything that is published, and you'll be looking at some of the stuff online, investor presentations and what is absolutely played across the organisation. This is a serious move, a very serious move, of which an entire global rebrand was based upon, um, you know, two years ago. So. This is not this is not just lip service within the business. This is a business that's absolutely transforming uh, and trying to do uh, trying to make a significant change from from that heritage that we've had for so long. Mark, brilliant! I can see all the messages are coming in. They're all probably telling you that you've got more net zero goals to go to. Uh, <laughs> we're delighted that you're coming along uh, next week to speak at the Big Zero Show. I hope you're 
going to, you know, enjoy the experience. And also, I suppose the main thing is you want to hear from people. You want to talk to people about this because at the end of the day, I'm very much about let's all have conversation. I know you personally, and I know you're you're happy to to talk to people and explain what you're doing and and try and meet the challenge. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a it's a fabulous event, as you say, two and a half thousand registered to attend. It should be should be an excellent event, a good opportunity for me and the team to to meet um uh, to meet everyone in, in the industry really um that's that's able to visit our visit our stand. Uh, yeah, obviously looking forward to speaking, um, which. Uh, it should be great. There's, you know, there's many challenges in our industry right now. Big carbon net zero is one of the, one of the biggest, but there are many day-to-day challenges as well that we're all facing, both from a supply perspective, but more importantly from a, from a customer's perspective. So, uh, looking to discuss all these, looking forward to discussing all these issues and supporting where we can as well. Brilliant, Mark. We look forward to seeing you there, mate. Cheers. You've been listening to the Net Hero Podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things net zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to net zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.